What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. Excuse me, got a little something in my throat. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, Happy Women's Liberation Day. Um, Solidarity to all women and non-men. Trans folks, of course, as well. uh, Out there fighting for their freedoms. Out there fighting for their own right to control their own bodies. Um, And also fighting for power. Fighting for control. Because that's another thing people tend to uh, mischaracterize when discussing the nature of uh, Women's History Month, Black History Month, uh, Latino History Month. And that's why groups like uh, the uh, All African People's Revolutionary Party and uh, Hood Communist um, uh, last month put out a reprint of a paper they had done before about why they, you know, don't really consider uh, Black History Month uh, holiday for the people. Um, they broke it down and showed that it, it, in many different ways, it weaponizes black identity, Africanness. It weaponizes also individuality um, and individual accomplishments instead of liberatory acts by the whole people, uh, which there have been plenty to celebrate as there are uh, today, as there continues to be. And so similarly, I want to take the same approach, as I'm sure I'm not the first to say, towards Women's History Month, Women's Liberation Day, and discuss a few different things. Um, But most importantly, unfortunately, uh, I do have to say and, and mention that this will be my last episode for a while. Uh, I have officially uh, taken on candidacy for the Party for Socialism and Liberation. And uh, in that time, I would like to spend, uh, you know, really focusing on my political education, but also spending as as much time as I've spent, you know, doing the show, researching for it, connecting with incredible people, And I am, I'm going to take that time and that energy, I'm going to dedicate it towards organizing. Um, There's a lot that needs to be done in my area. Um, I was lucky enough to be present at a meeting last night uh, and will be speaking at a webinar come this Thursday, uh, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time to discuss uh, women's uh, health, abortion rights, and uh, uh, also different kinds of uh, LGBTQ plus uh, bills that are being passed to oppress and exploit our LGBTQ plus comrades. Um, so feel free to tune into that. Uh, Jody Dean will be there for those of you who know. Jody Dean is the author of the book Comrade and many others. Um, she is a member of the PSL and so she will be there. <clears throat> we got folks coming from Colombia which recently just uh, legalized abortion up to, I think it was, it either decriminalized abortion or it legalized abortion up to 24 weeks. 
Argentina uh, did the other one because <laughs> I know one country did one, one country did the other. And as we know, Mexico also, thanks to the hard work of groups like Las Libres, uh, went on to pass similar such bills. There has been what is called a green tide all across Latin America, the Caribbean, Africa, Asia, and now as we see, uh, there is a mass movement that is beginning to take hold here uh, in the United States. that is sort of in response to the massive amounts of repression and legislation that has been passed to, uh, you know, condemn and uh, punish those who, uh, for example, seek out abortion care, uh, seek out um, gender-affirming surgery, have gender, uh, you know, affirming medication prescribed to them. Uh, similarly to the Don't Say Gay bill and the anti-trans bill that's in uh, um, Texas and uh, the other legislation that is being passed in Florida and other places uh, like Mississippi. I, um, I wonder and I am often concerned whether or not people actually, um, you know, because A... This isn't headline news oftentimes. Um, the bill that uh, was, you know, the, the big linchpin here uh, just a few days ago now was a Senate bill that had recently passed the House of Representatives, which was called the Women's Health Protection Act. Uh, this, unfortunately, was voted down. Uh, meaning that uh, a bill that would have legalized abortion made it a, a you know, a s- citizen's right, um, would have overturned all the state legislation. Um, it, it didn't pass. And now there's a few things I'd like to talk about with that, uh, which we will get into. Um, but I, I want to be able to try to fit as much into this because, as I said, this will be my last podcast for a while, so... Um, my concern is that people don't actually know what to do, how to get involved and how to actually like build a mass movement to be able to get legislation and actual, you know, uh, practical forms of, uh, healthcare, uh, abortion care and other kinds of, uh, you know, health protections put in place that can actually be acted upon because, you know, as some folks might be thinking themselves, legislation in and of itself is not revolutionary and it's not always capable of actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the representatives aren't oftentimes able to be held accountable is, is the main point. And so because of that, you will have legislation that's passed, like uh, the Equal Protections Acts or um, Equal Opportunity, uh, you know, hiring uh, legislation, or you know, civil rights legislation, women's rights liberate er, uh, legislation. And yet, if you look on the ground, if you look at the day-to-day lives of, say, black folks in America, black women in America 
black trans women in America and others who fall within these, you know, categories of, you know, different forms of exploitation, you see that this reality clearly um, contradicts the legal forms of justice that are supposedly in place. Now, we know why this is, or at least I would assume many of those who listen to the show have uh, inclination. That is because there is, in this society, no equal sharing of power and control. The ruling class is in control. The ruling class has control of the courts, they have control of the cops, they have control of the police, or excuse me, the military, they have control of the media, and they have control of the representatives. So in any way, shape, or form that not only change uh, could be made through the pre-existing you know, systems and structures in place, but also the routes by which within this system that we would often be told we are to seek justice simply do not amount to any sort of justice in word or in deed. I think that is very clear to comrades of ours who have to deal with these realities, to friends and family of ours who have to suffer this oppression, these different and many forms of repression and exploitation. But what is being done about it? I mean, I've read a few articles now that were on, one was by, um, oh geez, Amy Little something on The Nation, and I believe it was titled, uh, How American, How American uh, Abortion Rights Movements Can Learn from Latin American movements, I think, something like that, Um, and uh, she interviewed a few different people, she interviewed someone, uh, I believe Veronica Cruz from Las Libres, which again is a group out of Mexico that's fighting for uh, women's health protection, protection for trans folks, protection for children um, through healthcare, education, etc., and then she also spoke to different groups in Argentina, in Colombia, so that, that was a great read. And then I also read another one that was very similar, but it, it, it talked, it was from about a year or two ago, and it talked about other movements that had also failed uh, in uh, different countries. And so looking at the kind of chessboard that is in existence right now, the way everything's set up, We can't just simply expect that because we pass legislation, everything's going to be, you know, hunky-dory. We have to build forms and forces of power and control that are capable of holding not only just representatives, but also private corporations, um, lobbyists, governments, right, and, and entire systems such as capitalism, imperialism, accountable, 
and not only hold them accountable in word or in a fine, because if we look at, for example, a lot of housing struggles, there's a very prominent struggle near myself where an apartment building over the course of six months uh, had three calls to the police every day, 293 ambulance calls. There was three murders. There was uh, multiple cases of rent increase that was above 5%, which was unprecedented, which means it, um, and also illegal. Um, there was also intimidation. There was also forced eviction. There was also, like, during the eviction moratorium. Um, and the attorney general of New York came down and was like, hey, you guys, you guys got to fix this. And if you don't, well, you have to sell it to somebody that says they're going to fix it. And if you, you know, don't do that in, I think it's 60 days, you got to pay us a $300,000 fine. Now, I personally couldn't find any information about where that $300,000 is going to go. I would assume it's going to go to the state of New York, probably to the Department of Housing. Um, And uh, even if they sell, even if they like sell to someone who agrees to do, you know, the fixing of the 142 codes violations, they still have to give $50,000 to whomever. As far as I could have read, it wasn't going to go to, um, it wasn't going to go to any of the, the tenants. Jesus Christ. Gas prices, huh? Sorry, just drove by a gas station. Fuck. BP Oil, Shell, and ExxonMobil have recorded 19% profits in 2021, so they, they've made billions of dollars. They're price gouging. They're using the war in Russia as an excuse to, um, uh, call inflation and inflation is just a made-up word that uh is uh meant to be known as price gouging because ultimately um they're in control of the profits they're in control of the production they're in the control of the distribution so they just want to ensure that um you know now that they're fueling themselves up and they're fueling a lot of other people um that they make the prettiest penny um they got to make more than, than Russia's making. So that's why they upcharge you. It's not because of the fact that we're not getting gas or oil from Russia. We get less than 10% as it is from Russia. So just keep that in mind. Anyways, when you pass legislation, the objective is to do it through a pressure campaign, meaning that essentially you have a general movement that is not uh, simply asking, but more so making it clear that elected officials uh, and those within, you know, say even private sectors are only given uh, the power and control that they have predicated on the idea that everybody who uh, they are exploiting and oppressing uh, continues to allow that to happen. And so when we organize, what we do is we ultimately want to build movements that uh, raise the consciousness and erase the ignorance that is uh, melded into the minds of the masses from the days that they're born 
uh, about these different, you know, for example, uh, what, what even is an abortion, right? Half of the fucking, uh, half of my family members who are fully grown adult women probably could not tell me, uh, you know, to any real extent, uh, what happens during and after an abortion. Um, this is not to like claim as a, as a, uh, male that I'm like, smarter than them. This is just simply to say that because of the evangelicism and the mass uh, propaganda within the U.S. Imperial Corps uh, and the poor failure of the sex education system and the public education system and of the healthcare system, I would not be surprised if they genuinely thought that you're reaching in and cutting the umbilical cord on a very teeny tiny baby. Because um, that's what, you know, our church essentially told them and me growing up, so that's, that's just neither here nor there, well, actually, it's pretty important, uh, because there's, like, something like 30 to 50 million, uh, Americans within, uh, the U.S. Empire that, you know, are Catholic or Protestant or Christian of some sort that probably believes this nonsense, but we need this pressure campaign to not only raise the consciousness and eradicate the ignorance of the masses, but to also put power and uh, confidence into the masses by, for example, the Florida, uh, I think it's Florida, Florida, Texas, don't say gay bill, the, one of the main organizers and organizations that's trying to fight this put up a phone bank thing, right? Now, I know, again, phone banking, what's it worth? Well, you got three, four people phone banking, maybe nothing. You got three, four thousand people phone banking, hmm, it's pretty important. Pretty annoying for these legislators, for these representatives to have to keep dealing with those phone calls, to keep dealing with those emails, and eventually, it kind of gets to a point where they realize that either, A, they're going to have to pass this, they're going to have to, you know, get get the changes enacted that their constituents want, or they're not going to be elected. They're not going to have that power anymore. Two things. One, you got to have some real force behind you to, to, to be able to enact such, you know, uh, objectives. To be able to tell someone, hey... If you keep this shit up, you're not going to be elected. If they know, listen, less than 30% of voters registered in the area came out to vote for my position last year, then, you know, they might have an upper hand and they might get reelected even if they do a shit job. Because those 30% who vote are probably the type that are looking for the more reactionary and repressive, you know, legislation that is being passed. Because in our country... You know, the settler colonial nation that uh, put itself on top of Turtle Island um, is full of reactionary and racist uh, elderly and older people uh, from all walks of life. But, of course, you know, a lot of white folks. uh, And they're obviously quite often the predominant population that votes. Young people don't vote. And when they do, they vote so fragmented and so individually that their vote almost ends up not mattering. Because for every one vote that's cast this way, there's another vote cast that way. 
that's why throughout history, groups like the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and others that went through and tried to uh, develop different forms of uh, voter registration consciousness uh, among black, brown, and indigenous peoples um, and, and different forms of organization, especially for indigenous folks, um, you know, when they would go out, they would get folks to essentially pick a candidate that they were all going to cast their votes for that was going to benefit everyone. So rather than being, you know, say 2,000 votes for Jim Bob and, uh, you know, 2,001 votes for Hillary Clinton, (laughs) because you know she's going to be on that Democratic ticket, um, it would be you know, 4,000 votes for third-party candidate, right? Or as many, you know, 2,000 for... You know what I'm saying? Like, rather than having it be a one-to-one vote where everybody's kind of thinking for themselves, have it be a consciousness-raising effort where you got everybody not only, you know, using their vote in a a conscious and and, and class, uh, you know, manner but also effectively thereby and um, for the benefit of the most or as close to all people involved as possible rather than just thinking individually for ourselves as we're often taught. So we talked about a lot so far. I want to just kind of mention secondly that often because our, you know, private sector has become such a predominant force. Our um, capitalist and imperialist system has come to a certain stage that really hasn't been seen in any, any other historical epoch to the size and magnitude and control and the wealth and the, the power, the military strength, the tech, technological capabilities... It's, it's really quite um, terrifying. But at the same time, because of this, we've really not had a force within society that the entire world can hate, like it can hate U.S. empire. So the issue, however, is say we get legislation passed, right? And say we get these elected officials that aren't doing what they need to be doing out of office. A lot of the people that were in elected positions, fuck, you watch them go from the Department of Defense to Raytheon to the CIA to Lockheed Martin to ICE, from ICE to McKinley & Co., and then over to Goldman Sachs. You know, you see them bounce from the Department of Education over to Bank of America, from Bank of America over to BP Oil, from BP Oil over to the Department of Homeland Security, and from the Department of Homeland Security into uh, some other military contracting company. You see them bounce from the USAID over to the Heritage Foundation, from the Heritage Foundation over to Fox News, from Fox News over to, you know... Secretary of State from Secretary of State over to Vice President. 
and from vice president on the CEO board of, you know, Visa MasterCard or something like that. That, you know, uh, that right there proves the nature of our system. That this is a class oppression. It's not individual representatives. It's not individual political parties. It is not individual uh, groups among the ruling class that rule over and oppress us. But it is the entire ruling class as a whole that has solidified and concretized its rule by uh, co-opting the military, the media, the mass forms of organization, the political structures, society, the police. They have taken hold of the education systems. They've gutted the healthcare systems. They've gutted the social sectors and social, uh, you know, security and stuff like that. Not specifically, but any kind of social uh, um, programs meant to be for assistance. They've completely taken all that money and given it to the Pentagon and built up the Department of Defense and the Department of Homeland Security just like any other goddamn imperial empire has throughout the history, whether it be the Roman, whether it be the British, whether it be the Spanish, whether it be the Italian, whether it be the Portuguese, whether it be the German, whether it be the, you know, English. If you look at the... I should have said the French because I already said the British, but if you look at the forms of which this system is now developing. Sorry, that was kind of a weird sentence. If you look at the different things that this uh, empire is dedicating its funds, its resources, and its military to, it's essentially to building up walls. It's essentially to building up barriers and divisions that can uh, help continue its uh, colonization and imperialization of the, the people of the world. However, as Asada Shakur says uh, in her opening poem, I believe, for her autobiography, a wall is a wall is a wall. And uh, it, 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 it can be knocked down, you know? That was a terrible, awful... Uh, attempt to um, speak on that, but equally still, I think you you get my point, and better yet, you ought to go read the book for yourself anyway, so if you look at the reality that empires always build up walls at the end, because at the end, they got to defend their castle, and when they've had that castle on the same hill for so long, enough people looking up at it saying, you know what? fuck that castle and everybody in it, eventually that castle's coming down, wall or no wall. So when today, the United States Empire dedicates $758 billion to the Pentagon, and a New York Times article comes out that says they want more after the Pentagon, four times in a row, failed an audit by the IRS, something that you and I couldn't even do once without going to prison probably for a good period of time. We don't have health care. At the same time, we're sending billions and millions of dollars to Israel, Saudi Arabia, Ukraine. What? What? Excuse me? Dedicating trillions 
to NATO, our military and other funds that go into NATO is something like 97% of the entire funding of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Our military is the largest in the United Nations by tenfold. Tenfold combination of uh, numbers 2 through 10. So, who is it that really is out here dominating the world, my friends? I know we have to speak clearly and consciously about the actions of the Russian Federation. And we can't ignore as, you know, socialist and communist parties within Russia have spoken out about the capitalist nature of the class society that exists within Russia and the issues, uh, you know, that have not necessarily been created by, but have been, you know, cultivated by uh, Putin and, and his administration uh, due to the position ultimately that they, they found themselves in. And when you look at this and you clearly see that, like, you know, there is no reality where the two are comparable. There is still this overwhelming necessity to have a materialist lens and to speak clearly about the fact that neither Russia nor the United States needed to go to war. Now, Russia more so than the United States had a justification for enacting what Putin called special military operations because of security reasons. The United States has no security issues that are at risk thousands of miles away in Eastern Europe on the border with Russia. The United States has zero justification other than empirical and empire expansion. But at the same time, we do hope and we do stand with the working class peoples of Russia, of the Ukraine, of many of the surrounding regions that they take hold of this contradictory moment, that they take hold of this opportunity for revolution and they see it through. But if these, you know, communist and socialist parties expect that here in the United States we must speak, uh, you know, solely to condemn or uh, explicitly and exclusively to condemn the Russian Federation, the Russian Federation is not our... Uh, you know, main target. Uh, It can't be because we do not live in Russia. We do not have the opportunity to overthrow Russia. We do not have the opportunity to solve the contradictions within Russia. And we do not understand Russian culture, Russian traditions, Russian life because we are not Russian. Similarly to Ukraine and the United States Empire trying to say, Uh, that, you know, they get to decide ultimately who's Russian and who's Ukrainian. Says who? Not the UN Charter. But again, what forms and forces are there to hold these ruling classes accountable? 
at a certain period of time, there was internationals that, you know, were so large that they had to take an international scope and they were organizing strikes and demonstrations and, uh, you know, civil wars even to try to put an end to the uh, imperialistic and capitalistic uh, uh, ideals and interests of their ruling class. So let us, you know, think clearly about whether or not we think that we can do anything about the Russian Federation from the place that we find ourselves in. I personally believe in the notion that ultimately at the end of the day what we ought to be looking for in this, you know, moment is revolution all across the world. Um, We have to be looking not for reforms, not for you know, a quote-unquote democratic peace between, uh, you know, nuclear powers, but a, a denuclear, denuclearization of and an eradication of the ruling classes and their mass uh, control over the population. This is, of course, more at the heart of the issue of capitalism imperialism. And it is why I mentioned when discussing the Women's Health Protection Act that ultimately more than legislation has to be done. I personally believe that the stage at which abortion rights and other uh, health protections for women and non-men within the United States is abysmal. Not only is it abysmal, but it's intentional. Because if you look historically at nations like Germany, uh, Italy, Spain, Portugal, and, and other nations throughout Latin America, like uh, Chile under Pinochet, and if you look here at the very origin of this nation, the white settler colonial, you know, Puritan uh, uh, European empire that was built on top of pre-existing indigenous nations on Turtle Island, you see the seeds, if not the early roots of fascism, where women and non-men, those who give birth, are seen as appendages, mere appendages, if even that, because an appendage maybe has some autonomy to itself, you know, maybe sometimes a little nerve will get your finger moving by itself without you having to think to move it. But essentially, those who gave birth were made uh, reproductive capital and uh, domestic slaves uh, of, you know, men and, and ruling class individuals. This is, of course, women and non-men of their own cultures, and also, especially, those from other nations across the world where these uh, European patriarchal uh, and colonial empires have uh, enslaved entire peoples and nations. If we look at the history of... uh, the colonialism that took place and is taking place here on the United States, we can see clearly that the sex trade and sex trafficking was clearly linked 
to the capitalist uh, interests uh, and the colonial interests of the what would become the U.S. Empire here on Turtle Island. Because if you're able to enslave, capture, um, trigger warning, rape, kill, and, and slaughter the women, children, and non-men of an entire people group that uh, ultimately removes their ability to, to reproduce themselves and to continue to build, uh, you know, familial and kinship ties in their traditional and cultural fashions. On top of that, it also leads towards um, a creation of a quote-unquote third race that is meant to cause yet another division between the uh, oppressors and the oppressed peoples among themselves even. Um, In different periods of time, if you look at Latin America and the Caribbean, uh, those who were uh, mixed with uh, white and uh, indigenous uh, very similarly here and in Africa through the transatlantic slave trade. Um, these, uh, you know, different folks that are, were at one point called, quote, mixed race, which I, I don't like that. I don't like talking about uh, some of these things because it, the language that is used is often just absolutely an uh, uh, abomination. But um, these, you know, Folks were then used again, as I said, as a linchpin between oppressed peoples. You know, you now have different forms of racism that develop even among oppressed people. So, because of this now, we have to look at the clear reality that sits in front of us. Racism has spread and has institutionalized itself for hundreds of years. It is a part of the economic basis to the capitalist and imperialist system, the colonial system. It is central to the oppression of colonized peoples. It is central to the genocide of indigenous uh, peoples. And it is central also to the continued... Uh, rule, oppression, and exploitation by the U.S. Empire, the European nations, Israel, uh, you know, Ukraine, Poland, plenty of nations all across the world, Hungary. Many of them are seeing huge rises in far-right nationalism, racism, and what I would classify as fascism. Um, In Germany, there's a massive far-right movement within the military. Hmm, this sounds familiar. In the Ukraine, the Azov Battalion and other different neo-Nazi fascist groups that have been explicitly, you know, seeking uh, the death of different uh, ethnic and national minorities, especially those of uh, Muslim uh, uh, background or also, uh, and especially Russian, um, folks, the reality is quite clear that when the national guard of 
fucking Ukraine absorbs the Azov Battalion within its ranks, that there's a fascist element, a white supremacist element that exists within the character of the Ukrainian state and ruling class. It can't be seen in any other way. Um, And to view it as any other way, honestly, is to fall victim to propaganda. And that's nobody's fault. Propaganda is a part of warfare. Uh, Misinformation is a part of warfare. Um, It is warfare. So we have to understand that misinformation is all around us and we have to do our due diligence to seek primary sources and actually learn from the uh, experiences and the direct uh, uh, examples that exist not only in history, but right before our eyes. Um, But also know that identity does not ultimately uh, mean character. uh, My my meaning is that just because someone is Ukrainian does not mean that they are someone who we want to be listening to. There are a lot of Ukrainian neo-Nazis that, uh, you know, a lot of you folks are uh, retweeting and fucking throwing in your bio. So, you know, maybe do a little bit of extra research before we uh, go changing the bio, folks. You know what I'm saying? Um, but more on that in a moment. So if we bring it back to our original discussion about, uh, you know, women's liberation, about the need for uh, proper health protections, for abortion rights, for, um, you know, trans and uh, uh, also non-binary folks, two-spirits and others who are uh, gender fluid, um, we need to be seeing in adequate and, and, you know, exemplary medical and healthcare system being developed for all people um, that is not discriminatory, that is not judgmental, that is not, um, you know, based on uh, myths and lies created by different religions and ruling classes to, you know, oppress and exploit uh, people. Uh, from different cultures, um, because most colonized peoples had had no level of, you know, hatred and bigotry and, and, and anti-LGBTQ plus like sentiment to the same level and severity that the fucking U.S. empire and European nations did and do. Um, Like, that's just honestly the plain truth. So, you know, recognizing that might help us to understand why it's important to, uh, you know, for example, root out the transphobia, the uh, uh, bigotry, the racism from uh, within ourselves, which whether or not you think it's in there, it's fucking in there. Um, You, uh, you know, uh, for myself, at least living within the empire, it's impossible to expect that. None of that is is within your subconscious. None of that is within your psyche. Um, But women's liberation today, right, uh, has to look different than the women's liberation that has been tried and and tried again uh, all across this nation and other nations that oftentimes allow liberal and, you know, to be uh, completely clear, uh, white um, women who come from oftentimes more, uh, upper middle class backgrounds, although not always, um, to lead and ultimately determine 
the way in which the struggle is to go forward. But I would implore people to look up the Combahee River Collective, uh, which was a group of black lesbian communists who, uh, you know, for a short period of time in the 70s, organized and uh, fought for different kinds of uh, freedoms and different kinds of uh, social and, and, and legislative gains, um, but also was fighting to overthrow the ruling class. Um, I think everyone would benefit from looking them up. I think everyone would benefit from looking up Asada Shakur. I think everyone would benefit from looking up um, uh, plenty of uh, folks like Fannie Lou Hamer, like uh, Ella Baker, like Claudia Jones. Um, and I also think that people would learn a lot looking also to, uh, you know, revolutions that have happened internationally, especially across uh, former colonized and imperialized nations. And you will see quite uh, clearly the true uh, role and the true uh, reality that we should create for women and non-men. That is an equal and actually equitable and egalitarian society where all peoples, irregardless of national or ethnic background, gender, uh, sexuality, regardless of religious or other uh, belief systems, regardless of uh, class and of wealth, will be given the same ability to live a happy, healthy, and uh, ultimately, um, as I said, equitable life. That means healthcare, guaranteed human right, housing, guaranteed human right, food, guaranteed human right. But we don't live in a fucking magical world where saying these things is just going to change shit. So today on Women, Women's Liberation Day, let's talk about the different forms of organizing and the different types of fights that we need to be involved in right now. First and foremost, I believe that within our communities, the only way that we are going to be able to pass any kind of legislation, the only way that we are going to be able to get any kind of, you know, sincere changes to occur within the United States, we have to make things like abortion, uh, uh, LGBTQ plus rights, etc. We have to make all of that socially acceptable. It is not on average socially acceptable, although it is closer to it than it once was in a period of time. It is not socially acceptable among the ruling class for things like abortion, trans rights, LGBTQ plus rights. But if you look among the masses, 79% of people since the 70s have said that they believe that abortion should be legal. If you look at also different movements, it is clear that women and non-men and men all know that health care, abortions, uh, any kind of preventative care, prenatal care, postnatal care, 
All of this should be guaranteed as a human right. Because we're human, we need these things. We have the resources for them. We have the knowledge for them. Human beings have been given birth and taking care of other human beings for thousands of years, for hundreds of generations. Yet all of a sudden today, women and non-men all over the world are incapable, not given the resources to be able to tend to, care for, and ultimately have children if they want within this country and expect that those children are going to be able to live a happy, healthy, safe life. I mean, think about the fact that like, gosh, I don't want to give an actual number, but I would, I would go to guess that anywhere in between 15 and 30% of children who live within the U.S. today probably go malnourished, probably go without safe housing, probably go without proper educational tools, um, probably go without, uh, you know, doctor's visits, etc. Um, and this is just normalized. I mean, like, for example, I know when I was a kid, my parents never took me to the doctor. And I didn't find out until I was earlier that it was because that they didn't really trust the doctor. But I wouldn't be surprised also if the fact that they couldn't afford procedures to be done at the doctor might have also played a role. Um, my parents are evangelical, so they believe God will heal all. But anyways, um, <laughs> my point being this, the forms of struggle that we need to lead are ones that actually implement change. And if change is to be implemented and it is not, or the representatives that we elect or put into positions of power to be able to make these changes, do not accomplish them, do not do as we ask, do not do as people have demanded. We have to build a system that then says, okay, you don't get any power anymore. And that we have the actual means to revoke someone from a position of power that is using that power for corrupt, personal, or simply, you know, apathetic reasons. Um, And then be able to hold another election where, you know, if you're going to hold elections, if you're going to do this shit, you kind of need people to know and give a shit about it. So, like, also... Uh, expecting that like something like this is going to happen, you have to do a lot, a lot of organization to get people to give a shit about this. I mean, less than 50% of people vote in not only national, but their local elections. And yet you expect that we're just going to be able to, just because we have, you know, a a revolution, everybody all of a sudden, they're just going to be coming out and and being a part of this. No, we got to do work, yo. Um, same with, you know, making abortion and, and uh, trans rights and LGBTQ plus rights uh, socially acceptable, but also politically possible, um, because ultimately, just because people uh, believe that these things should be rights, what are people doing to make them rights? Um, so we got to go out in the streets. We got to be holding demonstrations. One of the organizers for Las Libres, when asked, you know, 
what is it that the United States and the movements here for, you know, abortion rights, what is it that they could learn from those in Latin America? And she said, you know, women and non-men in the United States, once abortion was legalized, they stopped going out into the streets. And in a lot of cases, even after, you know, things like uh, individual state legislation or different attempts to overthrow Roe v. Wade continued to occur, very little mass movement ever came out. People didn't go to the streets. People didn't fight. People didn't stand up. People didn't make demands. They simply got comfortable because, again, most of these movements uh, were not able to really get the attention that they really required to be able to take off because, A, the mass media was not in their favor. A lot of them weren't white, so they weren't going to put them on screen. Uh, A lot of the women in the 70s and 80s and 90s that were doing all kinds of great work and still are today. Many of them were gay. Many of them were trans. I think here of Marsha P. Johnson, the actual fucking legend that she was. Uh, Y'all need to go, like, read Marsha P. Don't read about Marsha P. Read Marsha P. If you can find her. Um, And uh, also, um, on top of all of that, Many of them were chanting slogans that a lot of the progressives wouldn't get behind. A lot of the liberals and even, quote, socialists, especially men in, in cishet men and, uh, you know, straight people, uh, wouldn't get down with. Um, especially, you know, religious and, and, and white folks wouldn't get down with it. They were out here having, you know, um, what was that fucking festival, the stupid hippie festival? Woodstock. And, uh, you know, just listening to the fucking Grateful Dead while, uh, you know, all kinds of incredible revolutionary people were fighting for, like, actual uh, peace, fighting for actual liberty, fighting for actual freedom. Uh, These motherfuckers were just singing about it and getting high. Um, And that's kind of what we need. We need to be out in the streets. We need to be knocking on doors. We need to be having public meetings. We need to be interrupting, uh, you know, hearings. We need to be breaking uh, into uh, buildings when they're they're having, you know, discussions for legislation and and, and interrupting those meetings. Uh, We need to be going out and we need to be um, informing people. We need to be holding classes. We need to be Uh, given discussions about sexual and domestic violence. We need to be also learning ourselves. I mean, I I have much to learn. I listen to the Probably Canceled podcast. They do a lot of great work. I listen to the Red Nation, Jen Marley, Melanie Yazzie, uh, Elena Ortiz over there. Shout out them uh, for all their incredible work and others that have come on the show and given great, great discussions, such as the Folks up at the Wet Sweatin' Territory holding it down against the RCMP right now. Go give them support. Again, that's Wet Sweatin'. That's W-E-T apostrophe S-U-W-E-T apostrophe E-N, I believe. Uh, And uh, you can look into them and you can learn all about their struggle and hopefully possibly provide uh, some kind of material assistance um, as they are desperately fighting cold, cold winters, as well as, you know... um, bullets and 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 bail 
Um, so anything that you can do to help is is genuinely appreciated. And, and I really do think that uh, folks should consider trying to help in any way they can. But this is the this is the struggle. This is what it needs to look like. And this is the only way that it's also going to succeed, because ultimately, if we look at what has happened since the movement has left the streets, let's think about, uh, you know, the different types of movements that were in the street. You had the um, women's right to vote, you know, which uh, in a lot of cases, folks like Fannie Lou Hammer were like, you know, I, I was a, this is Fannie Lou Hammer here saying that she was a sharecropper until I think like her mid or late forties. And then she was told by someone uh, in her community that they were going to be holding a voting registration dem, uh, demonstration and, and educational class, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee uh, down in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, she, she realized she didn't even know she had the right to vote. She didn't even know she had the ability to register to vote. She didn't know how. And that's, I mean, how much of a problem is that today? I didn't learn how to register to vote until like three weeks before. And fucking, my parents were no help. They were like, I don't know. I had to fucking call all these goddamn places and speak to all these stupid idiots. Anyways. So, then at at another point, you know, you got uh black brown indigenous women and non-men who are saying listen okay we we we're getting a a decent movement going here we're we're kind of correcting a lot of the mistakes that the the white cis hat and also you know reactionary movements are are putting forward but uh, there's still some bigotry against trans folks there's still some bigotry against gay folks and of course there is because that's what we're taught so it's no individual or fault of the uh people's involved if they uh you know choose to correct their mistakes and and many did many did um if you look at folks like Huey P Newton when he got out of prison one of the first things he talked about in his first interview out of prison was that you know the Black Panther party and other uh liberation groups needed to begin fighting uh alongside with and for the uh rights of gay people LGBTQ+ people and also disabled folks um so that that's incredibly important the Black Panther Party, the Black Liberation Army, the Young Lords and other groups like them were at the leading, you know, front of women's liberation also. Uh, but in many ways that were subverted and ignored or essentially just never put on TV or in a book for anybody that was uh, able to be checked out of the library. So unless you were involved, you know, oftentimes this information was skewed and you were not given the ability to learn about it. But today we we have more opportunities to teach, to learn and to build. So on top of this, we also have to be building. So we have to look at the ways in which people have been able to hold their governments accountable. And I think things like referendums and people's tribunals are really cool, not only in a post-revolution period, but also in a pre-revolution period, similar to the idea of like voting as a block. If you can get, say, 300, 400 of your neighbors together and make a decision about your local council, about your legal systems, about uh, abortion rights in your locality, um, you have way more of an opportunity to do something about it than if you got 30 of your homies, you know, all calling or you got 10 of your homies reading a book about the women's movement from the 70s. You see what I mean? If you actually like go out and, and, and pass out information and you, you talk to people and you show up to, to uh, court dates or, you know, you go out and you uh, 
stand in front of these different clinics that still are around and defend against the fucking reactionaries and the religious folks and you go out and give goddamn support just fucking help people y'all um that's what we need to be doing right that's what i need to take into my heart that's what y'all need to take into your heart we just need to be helping people so go do it and from this build relationships from these relationships build organizations from these organizations build movements and from these movements build mass organizations and let's, you know, fight to make Women's Liberation Day not just some holiday that we all post on social media about, but a day to remember when we, the people of Turtle Island, came together and overthrew this ridiculously reactionary and repressive uh, ruling class and instated a uh, society that allowed women and non-men uh, to be able to live lives um, that were safe, that were healthy, and also where they had control and power not only over their own bodies, but their own governments, communities, production, and livelihoods, and had health care, and had free education, and had child care, and had all the things that come along with living in, you know, uh, a quote-unquote modern world that we do not have today. So anyways, long live the revolution, folks. We'll see you next time. Peace. Also, for those of you still listening, I want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. It has been an incredible two and a half years, and I'm very excited for what the future holds. Um, please be on the lookout for more episodes in uh, months to come, hopefully, but, uh, you know, no promises. Um, you can keep up with my social media. I have TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, um, but I don't know how much I'll be posting on those. Um, Anyways, folks, I hope you are uh, well. I hope you are safe. I hope you stay healthy. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed the, ch- the show. Um, please go check out, I will list here, um, all the podcasts that I listen to that I, I would like you to listen to as well. So the Comrades Classroom podcast, I Mix What I Like by Black Power Media, the D Program unmasking imperialism the punch out with eugene per year blowback africa world now podcast the empire files this is hell groundings podcast millennials are killing capitalism by any means necessary which you can find on youtube um dixieland of the proletariat comrade reads Little Red Schoolhouse, Probably Cancelled Podcast, Revolutionary Lumpin' Radio, Give the People What They Want, Citations Needed, Anti-Conquista, Bands of Turtle Island, The East is a Podcast, Guerrilla History, Working People, Mark's Madness, Revolutionary Left Radio, The Red Nation Podcast, and Red Menace. And now for YouTube real quick before I go. Um, please look up Luna Oi, Hakim, The Marxist Project, Kawasachin News, that's K-A-W-A-S-A-C-H-U-N. Um, and please look up the Troika Collective, T, uh, and, uh, yeah, there's many more, but I unfortunately do need to go. Um, again, thank you so much for listening, folks. It's meant the world. I hope you stay well. I hope you are well, and I hope to see you all, uh, at one point. Uh, sooner rather than later. Please be on the lookout for that webinar this Thursday, 730. Um, uh, I'll put a link on my social media about it. All right. Peace.